Welcome to Doxed. In this episode, Tim and Tom bring on friend and co-founder Aaron to talk about the merge. We introduce Rug of the Week and an overall new vibe to our show, now hosted on Twitter. I hope you enjoy. And we're live. Uh, welcome, everybody, to uh, Doxed, the podcast. Uh, this is episode nine, and uh, you might notice something a little bit different. Uh, this time, we are going live on Twitter. We now uh, have moved Docs to a Twitter space. Uh, so it kind of gives everybody the opportunity to hop on this metaphorical stage, share a little bit of their thoughts, opinions, feelings, uh, insights into whatever our topics may be. Um, and uh, yeah, just a better space for it, I think. We wanted this podcast to always be inclusive and potentially doing it in our quarter machine discord um was was stopping that so now we've moved docs to twitter this is the first episode we've been on for twitter uh ran into a little bit of technical difficulties but uh we're making our way through so uh here's what we're gonna do um we're gonna go through uh just so you guys know who is talking what our role is here uh and then if there is anybody that uh is listening to this live in the twitterverse um, feel free, raise your hand. We can bring you up on stage. You guys can share your insights, like I just said. And um, yeah, we'll just we'll keep the conversation moving and flowing. And uh, I'm really excited about our topic today. So um, let's do this. I'll start it, and then I will uh, I'll pass the mic off. So, uh, like I said, welcome to Docs. Uh, we're an NFT crypto Web three podcast. Uh, we like sharing best practices in this space. We like talking about news. We talk about rugs. This is going to be a fun one today. Uh, and some minor speculation as well as other things also embodying the NFT crypto Web3 safety space. Um, I'm going to jump in with saying nothing that we share here, or at least I share. You guys can do your own little isms, but uh, should ever be construed as financial advice, always do your own research and stay vigilant. Uh, but my name's Tom. I'm the Quarter Machine Community Manager. Uh, Quarter Machine is our NFT project focused on releasing family-friendly content uh, with our assets from built within our in-house animation studio. Uh, we have th three sold-out collections, which I'm super stoked about. Um, and uh, these assets have been featured in nine episodes uh, that live in a YouTube series. And we've gotten over 85 million views from uh, those nine episodes thus far. Uh, another big part of our project is our on-chain physical quarter machine, which is such an integral part of our project, delivers the most unique minting experience that I have personally ever encountered and experienced. And with that, I will pass the mic over to our unnamed friends. Thanks, Tom. Uh, so as you guys might know by now, I'm Tim, uh, co-founder of Unnamed. Check us out at unnamed.gg. We've got some great projects over there, like Future Proof the Game, uh, Cloud Chain, things like that. Also handle operations at Quarter Machine. Um, bring it up every time, just like Tom, but I'll do it again. I'm an attorney, um, but I'm not your attorney. And nothing I say on any of these uh, podcasts or sessions should be meant to uh, to be taken as legal advice or construed as advice as, as advice in any way, financial, legal, or otherwise. Um, always check with your own professionals. Uh, super pumped to be here today. Like the topic as well. Um, we're going to be talking about the merge. We're going to be talking about some some recent projects updates and, and we'll get to rug of the week. I think we're all excited about that. Uh, also excited that we have, uh, that we have Aaron with us today. I'll throw it over to Aaron. Uh, let, let him introduce himself. Aaron, take it away. Hey, thanks, Tim. Uh, yeah, I work with Tim over at unnamed. 
because he kind of glossed over it. Uh, we do have some cool stuff uh, over there. Um, that we, we've got a game we're building. Pretty excited about that. It's like a cyberpunk uh, fantasy tactical game. Um, so that was the future proof one he mentioned. And then we've, of course, got Crowdchain, which does token gated communities that are similar uh, to something like Patreon, but we've removed that web free friction while still using the web free technology. So um, we're building some pretty cool stuff. I'm the technical one, and I'm also, uh, you, you can hire me as a lawyer, but you shouldn't. So anything <laughs> I say would not be financial or legal advice as well. Uh, you'll hear me say the not financial one a lot. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to chat. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, cool to see what's in store. So. Thanks, Aaron. I, I glossed over the shilling, but Aaron glossed over himself. He said he works with me. Aaron's my co-founder. He's the technical co-founder. He's the rock. Um, yeah, it, that's what you glossed over. You don't work with me. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, thanks. But <laughs> yeah, any sure. chance to shill, I'll always take. So, <laughs> yeah, always better. Um, yeah, well, I, I think that's good for the intros. Tom, do, do you want to kick us off on on the main topic this week, or is there any other housekeeping? Anything you want to get out of the way? Or no, I just wanted to say that Aaron's also my rock. Um, and I appreciate him and I'm glad he's here. So thank you, Aaron. Yeah, and you're my flower. So, and then Kim, of course, is my dove. So together we form the Holy Trinity. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think there's any other house scheme. I think we can jump right into it. Uh, but I do want to kind of, uh, kind of set the foundation, uh, because for a very long time, uh, people within crypto, uh, NFT, Web3 have been hearing about the merge. And I just want to kind of, um, I, I want to get a really basic understanding for people that are listening to this post that might not know exactly what the merge is, why it matters, how it affects us. So um, let's, uh, let's just dive into first, like, what is what is the merge? What does it mean? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And I think, um, unless you think this is going too far back, Tom, we could maybe start by chatting a little bit about proof of stake versus proof of work, what those are, what they mean, and and kind of why, why the merge, right? And and then we can maybe get into to what is happening. Um, I think, you know, at, a, at an initial level, you know, Ethereum to date, right, up until, well, still as of now, but not for much longer, has been primarily a proof of work chain. Well, it has been exclusively a proof of work chain, which means that in order for new entries to be made on the ledger in order for new records to be put on the blockchain, um, there's an there's a, comp- a computational task that has to be undertaken um, and and work that has to be done. And that's where the term proof of work comes from. Uh, you know, there is probably a much more thorough explanation for why, but then, you know, the TLDR here is that imposing a computational task can slow down, you know, people who seek to change multiple block records at once and can add to the security of the blockchain by making sure that there's, you know, some sort of hurdle that has to be crossed before something can be changed. Um, the, the, that's the upside, right? It, it helps make the blockchain more secure and, and it, uh, you know, it's, it's where a lot of the tokens that we're familiar with come from. Um, they're, they're basically incentives that are given out to miners for dedicating computer space to do that. Right. So it's, it's all in balance, but the, the downside to proof of work and what has, I think, given maybe Ethereum a little bit of flack when compared to some other chains and, and maybe why people have, have started using other layers and other chains is that it also does take power. It takes resources. You have to 
have computers to compute and you have to power those computers somehow. And, and so when people talk about the environmental impact of blockchain and Web3 and NFTs and all that, they're typically referring to that, whether they know it or not. Right. That's usually what they're referring to. Um, so that in a nutshell is is proof of work. Um, and then, you know, conversely, there are other consensus mechanisms. Right. So to, to make a change, it doesn't have to be a computational task. Proof of stake is not is not new. It's been around for a while now. But um, essentially, instead of having to perform computational tasks, people have to stake and, and possess the you know a certain amount of token. So instead of providing consensus based on you know computational energy expended, it's based on how much token you've got staked. And so it's much more easy on the environment from a power consumption standpoint. Um, it still provides that kind of security layer of consensus that the blockchain needs, but it carries with it a whole host of other, you know, pros and cons. Uh, I've now been talking way too long, so let me throw it over to Tom or Aaron to, to chime in with <laughs> anything I got wrong or they want to add to any of that. No, I, I think I think being able to kind of differentiate proof of work, proof of stake is, is perfect in understanding. So as of right now, before merge, pre-merge, if you will, we are in a proof of work system for the Ethereum mainnet. The merge, uh, when implemented, will not necessarily 100% move us to a proof of stake model, though. But in doing so, people will then be able to uh, stake Ethereum to, and if I'm wrong, please chime in. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm 100% on this. They'll they'll be able to, to stake their Ethereum to run the trade. Oh, yeah. 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 Go ahead. Let me help. Let me help. Let me help. So the you're you're almost right. It is gonna go full proof of stake on mainnet. So um the reason I'm glad you mentioned that so to clarify there, there's still gonna be some uh deprecated test nets that are going to be proof of work. Uh but they're already released the proof of stake test nets. And so test net to clarify when we talk test net and mainnet testnet is exactly what it sounds like it's it's for testing right like that's you want to test things before you push them out um mainnet will be fully proof of stake there's two layers that exist there's the execution layer and then there's like i can't remember what the other one's called but it's what people are calling beacon chain they're going to merge beacon chain into the non-execution layer so that's where we're going to shift from proof of work to proof of stake when they do that the execution layer doesn't change so the way that contracts work right like my contract does this function, that's not going to change. So that's, that's a big distinction. So there's two layers of Ethereum, right? Um, what is going to change is that you can now validate transactions, which means I can look at a transaction and say, that looks right, like that's, that's accurate, by staking a minimum of 32 ETH. Uh, when you stake the ETH, it's locked up, meaning you can't access it. Um, it's it's staked, and the lockup periods right now are anywhere from six to twelve months. They haven't announced the exact lockup time, but it's six to twelve months after the merge. I'm willing to bet, not financial advice. I, I said I was going to say it a lot. I'm willing to bet that it's going to be much closer, and maybe even more than twelve months, given how long it took them to get the merge out. So just if you decide to lock up Ethereum, make sure you really believe in it and you don't need it, uh, because you know then you won't have it. Uh, one last thing on validations, and then I've talked too much probably. Validations is needed. So validators, Tim brought this up earlier, but the reason the blockchain exists and like one of the best features of it is when transactions occur, 
you can't, it's very hard to fake a transaction on the blockchain because people validate that transaction. So validations occur by numerous people on the blockchain to say, yes, that's the accurate transaction. And the way we were doing it before was with computing power. Now we're going to be doing it with staking Ethereum. Yeah, sorry, Tom. I saw your hand. I'll stop talking. No, no, no. I want you guys to be able to, to talk and, you know, go as far into the weeds in this as you want. I think it helps. Honestly, I think it helps clarify the, in the entire situation because you can't surface scratch the, this topic. I think we're going to get deep into it. Um, but when we were talking, when we were just mentioning uh, how proof of work versus how proof of stake will work, um, I was reading uh, and I'm, I'm, I want a little bit of clarification on this. If people don't stop mining uh, those mm. transactions, if we don't stop proof of work or if they don't stop doing it as proof of work, how does that look in, in the foreseeable future? Can they yes. continue to do proof of work computations? Yeah, it's a good question. So what's likely, um, in, in my opinion, is that a group of miners or m a lot of miners will probably look to fork uh, proof of work Ethereum so that there will continue to be a proof of work ledger out there, a proof of work blockchain that exists that is is a fork and, and is being operated by proof of work and being operated by miners. Um, there are some economic reasons that people would want to do that if they've already accumulated a great deal of, you know, computational equipment, if they've found a way to make that a, a sustainable or profitable operation for them to do that. Um, that's that's one factor that could lead to that. And another would just be the, the general kind of, I guess, the opinions, right, of people who are in the space uh, who may feel that one form of consensus or one form of validation is superior to another or is more true or more legitimate. And um, and I think some of that then leans into questions about the different pros and cons each present, you know, the, the reason that a proof of stake, uh, merge is, is potentially good is because it can reduce environmental impacts. It can bring more adoption into the space by alleviating people's concerns about those factors. Um, and maybe change a little bit of the PR around a lot of the kind of flagship NFT projects and, and their uses, but you know, there are concerns that a proof of stake model presents as well, which include, you know, uh, you know, concerted efforts to accumulate massive quantities of a token so that people can exert control over, over a blockchain. Um, Aaron, I don't know if you want to chat a little bit. I mean, we're, we're all talking too much and we're all saying it, but guys, what is a podcast if not a group of guys who all podcast, right? I mean, that's what we're here to do, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. Aaron, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I think talking about the fork is, uh, so what, what a fork is, is what Tim's saying is there's a bunch of people that spend so much money to mine Ethereum. They built that like rigs, which are just uh, essentially computers built with really expensive GPUs to go out and, and earn Ethereum for validating transactions, right? What we talked about before. The reason that a fork is likely is because those GPUs are now worthless. Um, GPUs don't work on the same GPUs don't work. I could be wrong on this, but I think there's a difference between ASICs and GPUs, and I don't want to get into that too much, but, um, they won't work for mining Bitcoin, right? So there's no use case for them. Uh, so th there's going to be, they're going to try to push for a fork where you would get everybody, they would take a snapshot at a given time and you would get a copy of this like fork proof of work Ethereum. Right. But who knows what that value will be. And it's not from the Ethereum Foundation. Right. This is just completely separate and it's not guaranteed that this is going to happen. So but every time we say like miners, 
and we talk about them, I always think like, I always just picture like 10,000 kids just out there, like digging up Ethereum and being like, mom, I got like two Ethereum today. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but so the likelihood of that probably high because they've invested so much money into this that it's very hard for them to just be like, okay, we don't, we have all these rigs. We can't sell them. It's time for us to just shut down by that. That's unlikely. They're going to make a little bit of a fuss, but nothing really. If they keep trying to mine transactions, nothing will happen. They're not, they're not built into the system anymore. So yeah. Unless people choose to continue to bring business and, and enter transactions on that fork. And so I think one of the things that I, I read, and again, I don't mind being corrected, you know, just, hit me up on Twitter, but I'm pretty sure as, as discussion around this fork has been building um, groups like Tether, Uniswap and others have actually said that they will support uh, a fork, a proof of work fork if it happens. And so um, that means that there's actually, you know, kind of tool sets and, and groups out there that facilitate liquidity and other functions for, for tokens that have kind of already said, yeah, you know, if that happens, will continue to support the proof of work fork. And so Ooh. it could get Yeah. Better. No, that's a good point. And I, nice tech target. I like that sound. Um, the, but you bring up a really good point. There are uh, some uh, marketplaces and, and exchanges shutting down just to wait to see what happens. I think, I don't know any of them uh, off the top of my head, um, but like that's, that is news that I've heard around the space is they're waiting. They're literally like, you can't trade ETH which that's like unheard of, right? ETH and Bitcoin are like, we should have the most liquidity out of all of them. But they're just waiting to see what happens. And there's one other piece there, like this could actually, in theory, it could fail, but that's why they tested it on those test nets. They tested it a lot, and that's why it took them so long. So the repercussion of failure uh, actually is everything gets wiped, right? Like in theory, that's the worst case scenario. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, no. Okay, that's perfect. Point. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, no, I, I just want to, I'm not reel you guys back in, but I know that like we will continue to do this. So the, the original question was, what was the merge? And I think we nailed it. I think we did a good job. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, Sorry. Let's talk about why it matters. <laughs> so like we can break this down a couple ways. Let's start with uh, how does the, why does the merge matter or how will it affect people that hold crypto? Yeah, I, I'll take maybe the, the first part and then pass the, the torch. So I think why it matters, um, I, I touched on a little bit earlier. CSOS is an easy one. That's why I volunteered. Um, what we're looking at right now is is a way for Ethereum to become more scalable, more, um, I think, environmentally sustainable, um, and to, I think, continue to drive higher levels of adoption. So um, you know, where you may have seen L2s or protocol layers or other other things being created to assist um, basically in alleviating some of those pressures. Now, you know, mainnet, the Ethereum itself is addressing those factors. And so why it matters, I think, is in terms of public perception, in terms of uh, environmental factors, in terms of how, if this is successful, how usable this blockchain is for multiple different use cases, I think this improves those odds if successful. And so I think that's why it matters in the big picture. Okay, perfect. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll touch on unless unless Aaron, you have something to add to that. I think I think that was around perfect. 
perfect answer uh, on how it will affect us. Um, you guys yeah, can't see Tom's holding up a Tom's holding up a ten on a scorecard. He right was. Now that's what they should have a number scale <laughs> yeah. emojis here on Twitter, so you can. Eat. The you know what I don't like is that there's no way to disagree with somebody. They need to add a thumbs down so people can boo you like <laughs> off stage. Um, perfect. So now let's talk about how it affects, if not the same way, NFT holders on that chain. That being Ethereum. Okay, it doesn't, uh, which is great because everything, not going to shill, but everything in the future for blockchain should should not be, uh, like, a big effect on consumers. But they're going to wake up and, like, there's many people that aren't going to hear about the merge. I would be surprised if they use Ethereum, but this is what they wanted. You'll hear about the merge and be like, oh, the merge is happening. And then hopefully nobody notices anything. So the layman is just going to purchase things the exact same way. Nothing should change for them, except that in theory, based on economics, not financial advice, gas prices might go down. And I even said might um, over a long period of time. Uh, but that's economics. So nothing will change for them. They're going to wake up. I want to buy an NFT. They're going to log on to their MetaMask, open OpenSea and buy an NFT. So same thing. Okay, perfect. Well said. Also, Awesome. So this is this is where maybe I'm finding misinformation, but with the merge and, and like you said, there there are essentially um, they're they're hard forking uh, two different um, two different chains. Uh, there's Ethereum and then geez, what was the other chain? Beacon, you said Beacon. Yeah, the Beacon. Yeah, that's the proof of stake. So as there's proof of stake and proof of work, is that in in a merge? If they continue to, or if miners continue to work on a proof of work and we move to a proof of stake, will there be splits uh, for crypto and or NFTs that they will now live in a proof of work chain or a proof of stake chain on Ethereum? There shouldn't be. That should be occurring on the execution layer, right? Because NFTs spawn from smart contracts that are built on the execution layer. So it shouldn't matter how the token that's used to purchase them interacts, right? So are you talking about like the token splitting or something? It shouldn't, right? It should be exactly the same. So the things that I don't know enough about are the actual merge of the beacon chain, but the, the execution layer, nothing changes, right? The way that we interact with smart contracts. So anything you do on a smart contract, if you want to mint an NFT, should be exactly the same. But the way that you get your Ethereum, right, and the way that that Ethereum works in uh, validating transactions, that's what's changing. So execution, same. The other piece is different. So same, same, but different, right? So. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so, yeah the way that I was, I was reading it was that... Uh, that there would essentially be two different two different works, um, and I'm, I'm, I was curious if we were going to see splits within the way we hold wallets. That you will have a proof of stake token regarding your NFT and a proof of work token regarding your NFT. I think they were talking about that with how ownership will work and and uh, what model will be recognized by say projects if there is that visual split of two different. Uh, not even IDs, but uh, two different transactions that correlate to that ID. Um, yeah, it's okay. an interesting question. And Aaron, I mean, I think your answer kind of touched on this already. But it, depending on, you know, how the proof of work fork works, if indeed it happens and what the snapshot looks like and, and 
and all of that. Theoretically, prior assets could exist in two places, if, you know, on a fork like that. But like I said, I think Aaron, I think you did a great job talking about it, so I won't go on too much about it. Awesome. Yeah, no, great job, Aaron. Thank you. Um, let's dive into the stuff that uh, I like because it's speculative. Um, and I, I don't have much to speculate off of, so I'm going to I'm gonna leave this to you guys to kind of chatter amongst yourself and tell me what you think. But before we do that and we dive into um, uh, cost or value of Ethereum uh, with the split and, and that kind of speculation, I want to open up the floor. If you guys are interested in this topic or any of the topics that we talk about, uh, up till this point or in the uh, after this, uh, feel free to raise your hand. We'd love to have you guys on stage. Uh, Docs is very much uh, open forum, and we like to have the conversation, get your thoughts and feelings and opinions uh, here. Um, so, yeah, feel free to raise your hand. But, yeah, well, with that being said, let's dive into the speculative. Uh, how will it affect the price of ETH? Um, Aaron, I'm curious to hear you first, please. <laughs> uh all right um so not financial advice just for the uh, the entire like next 15 sentences probably um it's not going to i think ETH is going to actually crash i think we're hit we saw speculation over the last week or two finally and we saw the price move even though bitcoin went down uh just like the stock market you know before earnings calls we see speculative gain um same exact thing here this is a big event that we're hyping up i think it's going to tank uh, if the market keeps going down, I think Ethereum is actually going to go down at a quicker rate. That being said, could be way off base. Again, not financial advice. What we are going to see is over time, because of the deflationary economics that are going to be in place, we're basically going to be burning more gas than we're going to be producing Ethereum now. So it's actually going to be deflationary. We're going to be losing Ethereum on chain, right? So the actual number of Ethereum is going to be going down in theory. Uh, the token should go up because there'll be less of supply of Ethereum. So over time, a long-term investment, if Ethereum continues to be the face of working on chain, Ethereum will go up in value just based on the law of economics, right? Supply is going to go down and demand will either remain the same or continue to go up in theory. But again, we'll see if that happens. I, I don't know if proof of stake is the way to go because there's ways to exploit that, but um, that are a little bit easier if you have a lot of money uh, than proof of work. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. This is much better on the environment, so I'm very excited about it. Uh, and that's the biggest impact, I think. We should all be really happy that this is a big green shift for Ethereum. So we need to find a better way than proof of stake, but we're getting there. This is a good step. Yeah, that's those are really good points. And so I won't reiterate them, um, but I will bring up a couple other things. Uh, not any kind of advice, financial, legal, anything, uh, all that good stuff. But um, one other factor to consider is as an asset with the prevalence of ETH has uh, shifts to this proof of stake model, what we're looking at now is uh, staking pools earning staking rewards as almost a form of passive yield. And so another factor that somebody could, could look at is whether this will decouple price-wise from the volatility we normally see in altcoins and other cryptocurrencies and begin trading more like an alternative to traditional yield investing. And so people putting, essentially deciding to put money into a locked up staking pool instead of a whatever bond, some other instrument that is a lockup of your money for a period of time with a predetermined amount of yield, right? So 
if an ETH staking reward is offering five and a quarter percent and there's a treasury or some other instrument offering, you know, two percent or whatever it is, people may start treating it like that. Now, whether that's good or bad or whether you should or shouldn't do that is not something I'm going to talk about. But um, that could be another thing that affects price because it really just may attract a whole other different type of holder, purchaser and trader um, as an asset class now that it's uh, now that it's proof of stake. Uh, when you guys were talking about uh, supply and demand, obviously, uh, economics, uh, I just want to clarify this, too, that we will be moving in the merge to a, uh, a proof of stake model. There will also be a change to the finite supply of Ethereum. Is that correct in saying? No. Uh, let me clarify there. Um the supply of Ethereum, we burn, like if you go on Etherscan, you look at transactions, you actually burn ETH in transactions. Um, what we're going to say, what I'm saying is that we're not going to be producing Ethereum at a rate higher than the rate that we're going to be burning at anymore. So it's actually going to be going down. Uh, the supply of ETH is going to be going down. We're not changing, we're not doing a big shift to clarify. And maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're asking, but that, that's what I want to clarify. It's not like a big shift of, we're changing or capping the supply or anything. It's just, it's going to be going down the number of them. Um, so yeah, that's a really good question. And that's why I'm saying it's moving to a deflationary model because there's going to be less and less Ethereum over time. So in theory, that means one Ethereum price should go up, right? If the demand stays the same uh, or goes up and people are thinking the demand will go up. One other factor on the economics is staking. Now a bunch of the ETH that would be on the market or like just liquid in wallets is going to be locked up in staking pools. So not only are we going to have less Ethereum being created and more being burnt in gas, we're also going to have more of it being locked up. So there'll be even less of a supply open to the market even. So uh, yeah, there's a big economic impact to this. Yeah, no, okay. well said and, and good point. Okay, perfect. Uh, I, I wasn't sure because uh, I'm, I'm going to try to pull this back in to uh, kind of seeing how it how it weighs against other um, other nets uh, that use the same model and how that affects their usage, their price and everything else. Uh, so kind of where I wanted to go with proof of work, proof of stake, understanding the merge is um uh, Sol has been a proof of stake currency and uh, we've seen its price remain fairly stagnant over even this past quarter hovering around 30 to 40 dollars a token so um, I'm going to reel it back into to like NFTs so with regards to NFTs um, what do you guys think will make a project look at a chain like Solana versus Ethereum since I don't know, secondary markets are now showing sole projects just alongside Ethereum projects, and there's going to be a proof of stake model. Do we think proof of stake is encouraging to uh, new projects entering the market? Or do, you, do we just think that the, the chain or, or uh, the name to the chain is what drives projects to want to work within chains? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. My answer might actually be quicker than Aaron's on this one because he's done a lot of the heavy lifting here, so I'll get it out of the way. I think it's more complicated than the consensus mechanism. I don't think, at least I don't think most projects, 
that's their biggest concern. I think they are caring about name recognition. I think they're caring about usability, ease of access and, and reliability. But I know it. Yeah. Aaron, what do you think about this one? Yeah, sorry. That, that was a nice way of saying, hey, you're saying too much. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's actually bad for them. Uh, which is actually a hot take. They're going to like it because it should, in theory, increase transaction speeds. But what we're going to see on Ethereum is that transactions per second or TPS is actually barely going up. And the reason why they're going to dislike it is because proof-of-stake is much more, it's easier to take over a proof-of-stake network uh, if you're very rich or you get a group of very rich people. Um, it's, it's much easier than doing a proof-of-work. Uh, network, the 51% rule, which means you need to, remember I talked about how validating transactions is a thing. So people say this is the correct transaction. And the reason the blockchain works is because you have enough independent people saying like, oh yeah, this is the correct transaction. Well, with proof of stake, if you're very rich and you stake a lot of ETH and you have a lot of money, uh, or you know a few people with a very, like a lot of money, you could stake the most ETH and validate incorrect transactions, right? Because you just need 51% of the whole network to do it. Um, that's a big problem with proof of stake because it just lets rich people dominate it. Uh, it's, not, it's not, I don't like that model, but it is so much better than proof of work environmentally. So they're going to be looking at transaction speed. Um, they're going to be looking at long-term uh, building viability. They're going to be looking at consensus mechanism, which is proof of stake. And to me, uh, these are some of the problems you've already seen with Solana. Solana goes down quite a bit. Nothing against Solana. I actually was super bullish on it. And they're always talking about how Solana isn't decentralized enough. So Ethereum switching to proof of stake, we're going to run into similar issues. But Ethereum, I think, is, is better built right now. Um, but we'll, we'll see, right? I, I think that's a little bit too speculative. Okay. I want to I want to dive a little bit more into speculation. So uh, what I just did is I pinned another uh, an article at the top of this document uh, because with speculation and with DGen culture, DGen tokens or uh, oh, I, less. Oh gosh, how do I how do I make this a safe for work podcast without using the word uh, poop tokens? <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, they, uh, they're obviously like meme tokens. That's what we'll go. We'll go with meme tokens. Yeah, there you go. Meme tokens like, uh, like SHIB are getting uh, a lot of attention because of them being built on Ethereum. So, uh, with, uh, with speculation to Ethereum and I, I maybe this is a, a, a mute point because I think, I think we're all in consensus and thinking that there's probably not going to be. Uh, a big shift in in the price difference, but I thought it was funny and, and worth mentioning. I was also thinking, how great would it be if in seven days, uh, when the the cap for when the merge is supposed to happen by, uh, we just get notification um, that the merge actually has been taking place over the past month, and we didn't even notice. That's kind of that's kind so of so cool. That'd it be would so be cool. great, right? Yeah. Yeah, I hope we get there with blockchain tech one day. That would be so cool. Do will will there be uh like a very instrumental shift in in anything that we're noticing? Like ideally, what would we see that's that's so different when when let's just say that switch is switched? Your transaction will be like one second faster. Maybe you'll be like, wow, that that seemed fast, and you'll be like, hmm, maybe maybe, but that's about it. Legitimately, you won't notice much for a while. Long term, you might notice the ETH price go up. You might notice gas prices go down. 
but there's there's not much you're going to see. As far as NFTs go, I'm glad you brought that up. I think uh, Solana, since be releasing on OpenSea, has been crushing it. They were already doing really well with NFTs in the space. And on OpenSea, there's been quite a few. And there's projects out there that are doing like cross-chain minting on Solana. Uh, and numerous, they're, they're all broken, so don't use them. So, but um, sorry, uh, but that is coming. And so I think we're, like, I, I think this shift out of Ethereum, it might, with NFTs, like working on other chains, if the price actually goes down enough and gas is down enough and transactions are faster, we might get more and more NFTs just back onto Ethereum as instead of it feeling like a luxury brand, it'll feel like an every everyday brand. Okay, cool. Um, I want to, I want to take this opportunity to just remind you guys, if you have any questions, thoughts, um, feel free to raise your hand. We pull you up on stage. You can ask you know, myself, Aaron or Tim, anything. Uh, it doesn't even have to be NFT related. We're, we're, we're open books, right boys? <laughs> yep. So wait, I've been working on this too. Um, I want, I want your guys honest feedback. Tim alluded to a new segment that we're going to transition in right now. Uh, but rather than doing it, uh, like I'm doing it right now, I want to add music and a voiceover. So, uh, allow me to share with you what I've been working on. Ready? <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. Rug of the week. Were you rugs? Here comes a rug. Okay, that's it. <laughs> so, can I just say, nice. seamless, seamless transition at the end there. You stuck the landing. The, the hard stop is what makes it fun. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it really rubbed. You rugged everybody. <laughs> I got you guys. <laughs> that's so, pretty meta, Tom. Uh, what we're going to do. <laughs> no, actually, Tim, why don't you tell everybody where rug of the week is? It was, it was your brainchild. I'm just excited to, to be a part of it. Oh, no, no. I think, you know, one of the things we want to do on here is break down some projects in the space that are generating, you know, making news or, or generating buzz. Um, you know, as you know, people in the space have heard the term rug, right? It's evolved a little bit over time. Uh, originally started as a term that meant, you know, that a project took off and took everybody's money. That's not necessarily how we're using it. I think now it's definitely much more colloquial. Rug just means, you know, <laughs> not going to make it, something's not going as planned, something's not going great, right? That's the way we're using it. So to be clear, we're not accusing anybody of fraud or scams or anything like that. We're just using the term rug casually. But what we want to do is highlight projects that um, can either be, you know, good examples for growth, uh, things that we can look to as a community to improve or, or, um, or take away from experiences. So with that said, I, I think we'll kick off our first drug of the week. Um, yeah, I, I think this week, uh, what we're going to do is kick off by talking about uh, beings. So, which, uh, you know, I, I think what I'll do is I'll, Aaron, pull you back up here again to give a little bit of, uh, you know, factual summary. I know you're a holder and I, I know I saw it as a PFP. So I know this one, you know, you're, you're closer to than I, but yeah, why, why don't you give us the rundown of what's happening? Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, I am a holder. I'm still a holder. So Full disclosure. Uh, I they've been so they have been trying to deliver on what they've called the Pilot Academy uh, for a little while. Um, almost, I think, maybe almost two months. Uh, maybe a little bit less. The Pilot Academy essentially is uh, lets you take your being and stake it. 
So you stake it and you earn some of their token. I don't know what their game plan with the token was, but they also were building a mini game. Uh, the Pilot Academy launched and it broke their Discord um, because, you know, they did uh, custodial staking, um, among a, a couple of other things. It just had a bunch of issues. So Beings was a free man. Um, it did pretty well with secondaries. It has a very, very healthy following. I think about 85,000 people in the Discord. And they did uh, a lot of pretty good collabs, had a good roadmap, had a good community team. Um, so uh, that being said, after that, they just didn't deliver. So no, nothing really came out uh, after the Pilot Academy piece. The community manager uh, started to take ownership of the project. When I, mean, when I say that, he started to post. He's actually forming a group to try to buy it. So the community manager is actually trying to buy the project. Uh, he posted another update uh, shortly after that that let everybody know that he's doing another project that lets you mint one of one uh, if you're a beans holder. And then he posted another update um, today explaining that the dev work didn't happen on the minigame and there's nothing happening on the Pilot Academy. And so I'm still a beans holder uh, as of right now, but those are, those are the facts. That's, that's where beans is at. Uh, so super bright roadmap, super awesome art, and it looks like they just kind of faltered, which I think is a, one of the issues with Freemans, but I'll, I'll leave my bias out of it. So those are, those are your facts there, Tim. Yeah, no, thanks. That's a, that's a great summary, and thanks for sharing that. I think, you know, again, in the spirit of this, this is in good fun, and we're here to try to learn and, and not, you know, call people out or, you know, throw wicked shade or anything like that. But I think you, bring, you raise a good point, which is, you know, if you if you have the best laid plans and you have a super ambitious roadmap, um, whether people acknowledge it or not, and I've said this before, you know, these projects are all essentially little kind of startup projects, right? They're going to need capital. They're going to need a team that they can trust and that delivers. They're going to need, you know, talent, probably redundant. But um, and it's hard to attract those things, right, if you don't have uh, if you don't have money and, and it's hard to deliver on those things. So I tend to jumping right into it here, I tend to agree with you that if a free mint, while exciting, right, may need to be held in check or in balance or be coupled with another strategy to fund a, a roadmap or a project. And maybe they had that. Again, I'm not trying to cast, you know, just chuck rocks here. But um, it seems to me that if you have an ambitious roadmap, but you don't raise sufficient capital to execute, then then some faltering is kind of inevitable. I don't know. Um, that's kind of my first gut check there. Tom, what do you think? Yeah, no, you uh, you absolutely nailed it. So in doing even a little bit of research, so I dropped the the collection uh, from OpenSea right at the top of um, right at the top of our uh, our space right here. But yeah, so a couple things. Uh, Freemints for me are are tough. Um, I can get on board with Freemints and artwork within them, knowing that they are going to garner a ton of attention, but ultimately the wrong attention from the wrong people, especially if you're planning on building a long-term project. That's, that's where my gut check goes in. Um, but the question is like, do we feel that like these new projects that are starting from the ground up need to, or feel the need to be free mints to garner that size audience? Um, but also that they're like, you just said, they don't have the liquidity to execute on the promises that they're making. Now this project in particular has a 10% of secondary, which uh, they did 616 total. So what they're walking away with 61.6 ETH, which I mean, that's that's quite a bit to build. Um, I don't know, dude. It's, it's tough because 
it also huh, there's so many pieces to dissect here. There um, are no, I, I like what you're getting at. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I thought you were. No, you you, you didn't. Uh, you know a little bit more about it though, Aaron. Have they delivered on even one small thing that they promised uh, since their free men? Yeah, and and they have right. They they they've done a good job of like the, the academy set up. Um, there's some functionality there. It just it doesn't seem fleshed out fully. Uh, it, it's 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 a common project problem with these projects. They do have they do get a treasury, uh, but secondary starts to die out a little bit, um, and then they don't realize the cost of building things. They don't realize the timeline, and the community sits there and presses them right. Uh, because we all have, as a, I think, a collective of, uh, I won't say DGENs, but it will say NFT purchasers to be nice to myself. Uh, we have a very high demand rate because then all of a sudden, a uh, nice new shiny thing, if somebody puts shiny keys and jingles them in front of me and I'm already out buying, you know, beans too or whatever, right? So they have to execute fast and it's really hard when you, you don't have that initial treasury. Um, it, 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 there's projects that do a good job of, of like slowly transitioning out of just, you know, Hey, buy this stake, earn our token, earn more NFTs where they actually like gamify stuff, uh, and, and provide rewards and add value over the long term and even turn it into tangible items on <clears throat> quarter machine. Um, so, uh, but yeah, and I, I think there's other projects that have done it, but, but they haven't delivered fully on their roadmap and now it sounds like they're not going to. And this is this is this had potential to be like one of the Freeman examples that showcase, hey, you can do a Freeman, you can be successful and you can have that community. But I wonder how much of the that success would have relied upon people donating time or I mean, I'm just looking at this economically. True. So you have this you have this I, I Tom, I liked what you said, which is why uh, I almost jumped all over it and, and cut you off. They have a, they have strong secondary sales and for a lot of people they say, Well yeah, it's a Freeman. But what we're really going to do is we're going to make money on secondaries. I hear that. And to me, I think, well, that's great, except you're starting way under the gun because everybody who did the work to get you to mint hasn't been paid a dime yet. Then if you didn't mint at a price, unless you paid them up front, unless you gave them cash, unless you had some other capital source, what you've got now is sure strong secondaries. But how many of those secondaries have to go to existing stuff that you've already done? Right. And then therefore, how much is left for the future? And, you know, so to me, I, I'm always skeptical when I hear like, oh, low mint, free mint. But, it, you know, the secondaries will sustain. You know, I'm just not so sure that that doesn't always sell me. And so that's that's what prompted my question to you. And it's like, look, maybe if everybody who put in all the work up to the mint, the art, the tech, everything, the site, you know, getting it to mint, maybe if all that were square one wiped away at mint. Maybe you could sustain a project on secondaries if the community allowed for, you know, that pace. But I would just be too concerned that there'd already be, right, uh, somebody that, you know, this this kind of axe hanging over. And it, it might just be too hard to shake. I'd love to be proved wrong and see a Freeman example really take off and, and sustain and, and do that. But I don't know, man. Like, that's my biggest concern on those types of uh, mints. Yeah, well, the, the the fundamental problem is that there's there's no treasury fun, uh, or money to be able to build. So unless you're coming from founders that have money that they're willing to spend and they're just looking for an instrumental group of people to to back them regardless, you're always going to run into that problem. You guys know, as as business owners, fundraising is a as a key part to 
building more and building bigger. Um, I look at free mints, uh, and like I said, and I started it with, if I can get on board with art, like I get excited about it regardless on if there's a sale in secondary. Um, and I'm not going to pull up other, I don't want to bring up other free mint projects that, that I've been a part of. Um, but, uh, with, with that, um, I, I look at projects that I feel that are, and I like the team and, and I think they're funny or even if they're meme, if they have a very clean cut roadmap why wouldn't somebody want to mint um even if it was minimal like even if it was a 0.02 you know like you said tim to just be ahead of it um to be able to have a little bit of uh for better uh like play money start money startup money um i don't know just like you i also have that hard time in looking at a free mint and being like oh this is legitimate I don't know. Maybe that's just taboo at this point, though, too. Or maybe it's just expectation setting, right? I mean, if you don't have high expectations for, you know, there's not a super ambitious roadmap, there's not this, you know, pretty high needs, you know, plan ahead, then maybe it's great for for projects to launch that way and, and get, you know, get art out there, get a community built and just let that develop over time. But then that kind of gets back in my mind to what Aaron was talking about earlier, which is expectations in the space and whether you could do that or and maybe you can. Right. We've all seen projects that don't have a roadmap or, or have ambiguous roadmaps and they, they can do fine. But, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting spot. And, and like I said, to be clear, where do I, you know, I'm often rooting for projects. You know, this isn't not, not I trying wanna, to chastise anybody. I'm rooting for them. I like being still, and they are yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So do we feel, and uh, this is the way I feel, that's why I'm asking you guys too, do we feel that expectation is based on mint price? No, because, I mean, like, I, Pepsi is a really good example of this. Pepsi did their free drop, and Pepsi's, has billions of dollars, right? Like, if Pepsi wants to make an NFT project, they they can. Same thing with like Hello Kitty. I think I mentioned that earlier in a meeting today with you, the both of you actually. Uh, is I think they're doing like trips or something. They meant it out pretty fast, and like I don't know what the utility for Hello Kitty would be, but anyway, um, those projects have financial backing, and there's a lot of factors that go into it. I don't think mint price is the only one. I think mint prices has bigger weight when it's an unproven founder or a, a like not a business running it. Um, but it's not the only thing, right? Like I could, like, for example, I'm technical. If I wanted to start a project and deliver on it, I, if like, if I had time, which, you know, that's relative as well, but uh, I could go and, and do that on the side. Right. And I wouldn't need much money cause it's just me, but it would be a lot slower. So it's the team. I think it's, it's, it's the same thing for investors. You look at the team. And being has talked about like VCs coming in and helping and he started a fund to buy it, the community from the original founder. But I mean, that, that's, that's a big point too, where like the, the original founder needed to get money and they often forget to factor themselves in. And then when somebody has interest in it, they're like, Oh, I can sell it. Now I can be greedy, you know? And so um, stuff like that is, is more important than I think the mint cost, but then you have to curve, what you think. So always do your own research, right? A, a free mint without a company backing it or funds already allocated to it needs secondary to deliver. And in, in my opinion, won't always do that. So just know what you're buying. 
Yeah, no, that that was well said. I I may just uh, go back to the thing, the drum that I beat all the time when we have these kind of in docs too, because we talk about safety and and doing your own research a lot. But it's really hard to to separate the analysis needed from traditional startup operations and investing and and a lot of those skills uh, and the world of NFTs. These are these are effectively all little startups with their own little teams and their own little, you know, roadmaps and decks and landing pages, and they're going to need money. And a lot of them aren't going to succeed, just like a lot of startups don't make it. And so it's not surprising. And like I said, that's why I think we can we can still, you know, break these down and have it have it be a positive experience. But yeah, I liked what you said there. It's it's just like in, it's just like investing in in companies, right? Look at the team, look at the roadmap, look at the execution in the past and is it viable yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna 100 agree with you on this one too tim uh but i i think where we look at successful projects or long-term projects projects that have roadmaps and projects that execute on roadmaps you have uh not only teams that see a vision but you see communities that see a vision and i don't want to get sappy about it but like we have a great community we have a great team behind us, so we're we're constantly building, we're constantly executing. But I also think it's beyond that. Looking at community as that they see that visual representation of the NFT as part of the project, and not that NFT as dollar signs. Um, and I that's I think going to be the hardest part moving forward because we see, and this is funny because uh, in in talking about docs, we had so many projects to have to talk about. Uh, for rug of the week uh and this one we landed on this one because we have uh we have stake in it uh you know aaron aaron like he said owns one still holds one um and you don't ever want to see you don't want to see projects fail especially if you believe in it especially if you see a future for that team and that project um and i I think that speaks to the communities that stand behind those projects so and i think that's going to be a big hurdle uh seeing projects or nfts as projects not as money but yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. I think that'll come with with time and adoption and as more and more people come in, right? I think that that's that's really the narrative is NFTs as projects as communities as as their own little operations, their own little startups as opposed to um you know, flipping JPEGs and you know, managing a portfolio. I don't think that'll be um in the long run, right? As this technology becomes mainstream which i absolutely believe it will and is more quickly than even i could have thought you know a couple years ago um i think that i think that we'll see that mentality shift for sure tom yeah i I hope so um i also look at the the publicity that some of these um not not even not even beings particularly but like meme projects uh drive is they're the ones that wind up um, getting verification. They're the ones that wind up uh, in alpha groups and people look at them as this is the next big thing, but the next big thing typically equates to a bag. Uh, and I think that's problematic within the space, especially knowing that what we're, what we're doing is uh, executing on technology and looking at the long term of how this tech can change the world uh, in, in every aspect. So um, no, I disagree. One hundred percent. We're going in the moon. We're all in a rocket ship. We're going in the moon. <laughs> I've got monkey JPEGs. I've got them all over. I can get a new monkey JPEG every time there's a new project. We're all riding. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's funny. Yeah, it's, I agree. 
I, I look at projects that could easily shift uh, the dynamic of what they're offering as a utility just by simply saying in buying this quote unquote piece of art, you own the intellectual property to the piece of art. And then the roadmap doesn't actually have to exist. Now, I'm not trying to give anybody an idea on, on making their own rug project. Uh, this, this is not financial advice uh, unless you want me as an advisor on some very Ooga Booga vibe goblin. <laughs> Nobody anymore. That was a week, Tom. Just one week of Ooga Booga. No, dude, every, every week. I'm just, it's, it's subliminal at this point. I'm going to mention it until it moons. <laughs> well, yeah. You, I mean, you send me a new meme project every week. I think this week it was what, uh, maybe you should be running the Your Mom segment. Or the, sorry, well, I just leaked. But you sent me, what, Your Moms? So that was the yeah, NFT of the week. I'm on Your Moms. I hold Your Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's why you wanted to be able to and say that. So $10 yep. well spent just for that single joke. I'm, I'm- <laughs> Yeah. I'm glad I got to set you up for that. That's great. That's like, I mean, I could, I could be spending money way in way worse ways. So I'm, I'm happy to support uh, somebody else's bag, even for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for, Fortnite skins, for example. I mean, yeah, imagine I if you buy, did that. Nerdle, Nerdle here in, uh, in, in Doxed in the live session, he actually sent it to me. We have a Fortnite team now, too. So uh, that's a perfect way to actually sign off too. Unless you guys, do you have anything else you want to talk about with rug of the week with regards to the merge? Uh, like I said, open forum. If you guys want to, uh, to chime in with anything, Tim, Aaron, or anybody else that's listening live. No, I, I'm good. I think we covered it. Um, any, if there's any tweets coming in or anything in the uh, text that we should address, uh, let me know, Tom, but, but I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me on, fellas. It was awesome chatting with you guys. And sorry, Nerdle, I threw you under the bus there, but it's okay. I'll carry you to some Fortnite wins later. <laughs> you guys are too funny. Awesome. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap it then. Uh, so this has been Doxed. Uh, thank you guys all so much for listening uh where this did originate on our quarter machine uh, Discord at uh, Discord dot what is it? Discord. Oh my god. Is it Discord.gg? I, I haven't I haven't said it in like three weeks. Discord.gg slash quarter machine. Yeah, I'm gonna have so to we'll add fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> keep it moving. We'll fix it in post. Keep it, keep it moving, Tom. Keep it moving. Uh yeah. So join I mean you can join there. We'd love to have you. We do regular game nights. Uh, we have uh, creative sessions for people that are into 3D modeling, 3D creating. Uh, and it's just always good vibes. Always trying to uh, push the limit, move the needle with regards to projects and community involvement. Uh, take a lot of pride in it. And I, I love our community so much. Uh, again, I'm Tom, the community manager. You guys can follow me right here on Twitter. Tap my icon or tap the quarter machine icon as well. Follow us all. Um, and these, uh, these podcasts are bi-weekly. You can listen to them on your favorite podcast platform, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, as well as Spotify and Anchor. Uh, and allow me to pass the mic to uh, my co-host. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks again, everybody. Um, signing off as well. Uh, check, you know, go ahead and follow. Make sure you follow Aaron. Um, super grateful that, that he was here. Hope he's back and back in here a lot more. Um, We've got a uh, unnamed.gg hop over there. Check out all the cool stuff we're building. As Aaron mentioned, future proof the game. Um, 
it's coming along. If you're not in the Discord, you're missing out on art leaks. The art is really exciting. It's coming along. Um, there's a there's about to be some uh, world building and lore leaks coming soon. Um, so yeah, make sure you're over in the Future Proof Discord. Um, we've got some other exciting stuff on Unnamed. You'll have to go over there and check it out to see. Uh, you can follow me on on Twitter if you like. Uh, and yeah, make sure you follow Aaron. Aaron, you want to say a few things before we go? Yeah, we're we're gonna. I'll help you get to become a showmaster. Uh, that's my goal for for the next one. Your master class. How many more do I have? It's it's only hundred dollars a session. Uh, only hundred dollars per session, and if you take this next one, then you qualify for the advanced class. So, and I can tell you about that if you have some time. But yeah, no, um, no, no, no. I think you did a good job. We are building some cool stuff um, on Future Proof. A lot of it uh, has been built, and we're finally going to start to release it to the public and. Um, you know, we're excited to get people on there play testing it and start playing and uh, I'll be on there and you can try to beat me and I'll be the final boss, hopefully, because I'll just think in all my hours saying I'm working and I'll just be play testing future proof. So, um, other than that, uh, we're, we're building some really cool stuff over at quarter machine. Um, we, we've been doing awesome activations as well. Uh, and so if you're going to any events coming up over the next few months, you should definitely let us know uh, and see if we're going to be there. Um, we're, we're at quite a few, and we'd love to meet you guys in person. Uh, we're always happy to see a, a, a QM friendly. So uh, other than that, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I, I hope I get to chat with you both again, and have a good week. Thank you. You too, Aaron. All right, guys. That was Doxed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys in chat. Peace Bye, out. Bye, everybody. Bye. Docs is a bi-weekly podcast recorded Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, now on Twitter. Be sure to follow Quarter Machine and Unnamed, and we hope to see you in the next recording. Peace.